Good afternoon. Welcome to our study of the Psalms as we read through a few of the different Psalms uh, between Psalms 1, 1 and, and 150. Um, today we are reading Psalms 94. Psalms 94 is the Psalm that we're reading. And so today's Psalm is of an unknown author. We don't know who the author of Psalm 94 is, but uh, it happens during a time period um, when there is some form of corrupt uh, king or system or uh, maybe a foreign ruler. Uh, it's it's not entirely clear where or when the time period is of, of Psalm 94, uh, but there are some indicators that might um, kind of lead us to a few different options here in Psalms 94. And we're going to see that as you read Psalms 94, the idea of this oppressive rulership or oppressive government or uh, some sort of corrupt system that is taking place here as the psalmist kind of addresses it and and, and asks God to step in in Psalms 94. Uh, so we're reading here, starting in verse 1, Psalm 94, it says this, O Lord God, the God who avenges, O God who avenges, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, Pay back to the proud what they deserve. How long will the wicked, O Lord, how long will the wicked be jubilant? So he's reflecting on the state of the world at the moment. And the state of the world is in a place or a time where it seems that the wicked are prospering, where it seems that the wicked aren't receiving any form of punishment, where it seems as almost as if divine justice isn't being done on the earth. And so this psalmist is asking God to step in, is asking God, please avenge, step in as the judge, pay back the proud for what they deserve and, and, and no longer allow the wicked to prosper and to be jubilant is what the psalm asks us, asks God to do. And it's interesting because, um, and we'll find this throughout the psalm and, and throughout a lot of the different psalms that are like this, that call for God's justice, they they place an importance on asking God to step in. And so this is an important distinction because uh, some of us may look at these psalms and kind of um, have mixed feelings, wondering why uh, people are praying for God to deliver punishment and, and whatever the case is. Um, but it's an important note and distinction that we should make when we read these psalms is that the psalmists and the psalmists who write these type of psalms are specifically asking God to step in. They're saying, we won't take part in revenge. We won't take part in vengeance. We won't take justice into our own hands. Um, instead, we're going to let God take care of justice. Because what often happens when we take justice in, into our own hands is we often pervert justice by seeking vengeance and revenge instead of justice. We often feel that we have been harmed greater or, or we or we kind of deliver a punishment that is greater than than the um, the acts that were done. And, and it's difficult to do that because uh, to actually deliver full justice because we don't have a clear sense of uh, right and wrong always. We don't have a clear sense of how much something should cost of this kind of uh, penalty versus um, action economy, I guess we could call it. And so it makes it difficult for us to deliver true justice because we often uh, are, are tainted by maybe emotions or feelings, by, by, by personal uh, opinions or whatever the case is. And so oftentimes we find that human justice can be perverted by notions of revenge and, and vengeance and, and a lack of mercy. And so the psalmist here is asking God to step in because God's justice is perfect and God's justice and, and punishment and whatever happens is is divinely ordained and, and, and perfect without blemishment or without um, 
uh, corruption of any form. So this is what the psalmist is asking for in Psalms 94. And then it continues on in verse 4 to 7. They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, O Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the alien. They murder the fatherless. They say the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob pays no heed. These wicked, whoever is doing this, they, they have this system that crushes the people of, of God, that oppresses the inheritance of God, murders the widow and the alien and the fatherless. And they do so rejoicing or kind of boasting in the fact that God does not see this, that God doesn't take notice of what's going on, it's, it, or so it seems. And then verse 8, it says, Take heed, you senseless ones among the, among the people, you fools. When will you become wise? And this fool and senselessness is specifically referring to those who are sinning, to those who are perverting the justice, who are um, crushing the people and slaying the widow and the alien and the fatherless. And then he continues in verse 9. Does the one or does he, referring to God, who implanted the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eye not see? Does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches man lack knowledge? The Lord knows the thoughts of man. He knows that they are futile. So verse 10, does he who disciplines the nations not punish? Uh, the psalmist is saying God kind of works through disciplining nations, and that's what they refer to as conquest of the nations, as nations being disciplined for their sins by being conquered by another nation. And so they're saying that if God deals with nations as a whole, God will also deal with people individually. So these corrupt rulers, these people who seem to have set themselves up in powers and are now oppressing people and are using their, their systems of power and their authority to uh, kind of uh, crush and oppress the people of God and the fatherless and the widow and the alien, those who are uh, without their own rights or those who, who are without support uh, for themselves, these people who are doing all these evils, God will eventually punish them the same way that he's punishing these nations, that's what the psalmist says. So then verse 12 says, Blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, the man you teach from your law. You grant him relief from days of trouble, trouble till a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Judgment will again be founded on righteousness, and all the upright in heart will follow it. So verse 12 uh, the word that we read for discipline, we often think of discipline as a kind of chastisement or some sort of punishment. So discipline, we might think of like um, in the past was done with some spankings in the past or um, more common now, like a timeout or some sort of consequence to an action. But the word that they use here isn't specifically a type of punishment. They're not saying blessed is the man who is punished by God. That's not what they're saying. They're saying blessed is the man who is warned, who is instructed, who is taught by God specifically from the law. So the idea uh, behind this word discipline that, that the Hebrew uses, that the psalmist uses, is that someone is uh, maybe prone to do something wrong, or maybe they're on their way to doing something wrong, or maybe they don't know that it's wrong, and the Lord steps in and disciplines them, or warns them, more specifically warns them, and lets them know that what they are doing is wrong, that what, the, what they are doing is going to lead them into evil, or into punishment, or consequences, or whatever the case is. And so blessed is the man, the psalmist says, who the Lord warns, who the Lord instructs, who the, Lord's, um, who the Lord corrects, and, and kind of brings back onto the right, right path. Because when we are warned, when we are corrected by the Lord, we are granted relief from the days of trouble. 
The idea being that our choices bring trouble upon us. And so if we are corrected and warned and follow these instructions of God, we kind of uh, are granted relief from the days of trouble. We avoid some of these days of trouble till a pit is dug for the wicked. And so this idea of the pit being dug for the wicked is, is the idea of a future judgment. The psalmist is saying that uh, eventually the wicked will fall into the pit. That right now they may prosper. Right now the wicked may seem to be doing well. Right now the wicked seem to be oppressing people without any form of justice or punishment. They say in verse 7, the Lord does not see, the God of Jacob pays no heed. But the psalmist says in verse 13 that they will eventually fall into this pit, into this this, uh, judgment, this justice that God is bringing here in Psalms 94. So then it says, for the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. And then verse 16, we continue reading. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. So the psalmist is now saying uh, that, that it is rare to find someone who stands up against the wicked. It is rare to find someone who stands up against evildoers. And, and if it wasn't for God's help, if it wasn't for God's support, he too himself may have fallen at the hands of the wicked, may have fallen at the hands of these oppressors, of these evil rulers that he's talking about seemingly throughout Psalms 94. And so verse uh, 18 says, my foot is slipping. If I say my foot is slipping, he says, perhaps if my foot were to slip, that's specifically the wording that he uses in the Hebrew. He says, your love would support me. Your love would swoop in and keep me from stumbling. And he says, and when anxiety, when fear, and something that we find very common nowadays, when fear and anxiety are within me, he says, your consolation, your joy, your goodness, your mercy, we might say, brought joy to my soul. This peace of God that comes through anxiety, uh, the consolation that God brings when we are feeling fearful, when we are feeling anxious, when we are worried, when we turn to God, when we say, my foot is slipping, God's love comes in to gently support us. God's love comes in to console our souls, to console our hearts, and to bring joy to our lives because of the peace that we find in Jesus. And then verse 20 continues in Psalm 94. Can a corrupt throne be allied with you? One that brings on misery by its decrees. They band together against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my fortress and my God, the rock in whom I take refuge. He will repay them for their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord, our God, will destroy them. Uh, So this is where we kind of get this idea that he may be talking about oppressive rulers or systems or some sort of government that is corrupting justice, that is perverting justice and and kind of destroying the the righteous. Because we read this here, uh, a corrupt throne, and then one that brings misery by its decrees. It seems that the laws that these people are writing serve to benefit themselves in their own search for power and authority and, 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 and wealth at the cost of the father of uh, the fatherless the widow and the alien at the cost of the of the righteous people they trample upon them and so it says they band together against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death as if they were guilty this is another form the psalmist is saying they're perverting justice even innocent people are are killed and are delivered into punishment as if they were guilty even though they were innocent but then verse 22 and verse 23 says, But the Lord has become my fortress, and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. For God will repay them, these systems, these powers, these governments that are oppressing the wicked, that are that are destroying the fatherless and, and the alien and, and the widow. He will eventually pay them back for their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord our God will destroy them. 
Um, and it seems, it seems kind of an interesting way to end a psalm, as we, find, as we like to find the psalms as kind of um, psalms of support, psalms of encouragement. So it's interesting when we find that the psalm ends with this call for destruction of the wicked. Uh, but what we find through, through Psalms 94 is this constant referral, this constant um, view of the future. We find this throughout most of the Psalms, that a lot of the Psalms aren't about um, God guaranteeing protection or God guaranteeing immunity from life's dangers in the present time. A lot of the Psalms actually just look forward to something that God will eventually do. And we'll find this throughout the Psalms because the Psalms often point to the Messiah. And so at this point in time when the Psalms were written, the Messiah hadn't come, the Messiah hadn't been here, and they hadn't experienced the deliverance that they might find through uh, the words of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, the words that refer to the, the Messiah, which we would come to know as Jesus. So they find themselves in oppression, they find themselves in difficult moments, they find themselves uh, being afflicted by evil and by corrupt governments and being oppressed and in exile. But they look forward through these Psalms, they look forward to a time when Jesus, when the Messiah would come, would deliver them, would destroy these corrupt nations, would establish his own throne of justice, and would then come in and, and set everything right. And so we find through Psalm 94 that this is what the psalmist is really asking for. Um, they're not saying that God will immediately step in and that everything within his lifetime will be will be delivered because he still finds as God is his rock, God is his fortress, and he finds joy and peace through consolation. He experiences anxiety. His foot might slip. He might be, be, be being led into death, as he says in verse 17 and 19, but he finds that when he trusts in God, he finds comfort, he finds joy, he finds peace, he finds support. And so even though he doesn't find immediate deliverance, even though these nations aren't immediately destroyed, even though the wicked seem to prosper, the psalmist is looking forward to a day when the Messiah would come, where would set all things right, would destroy these wicked nations that, and, and allow them to no longer pervert justice. These nations that, that destroy the, the widow and the alien and the fatherless, these nations that oppress the people who write decrees and laws uh, to pervert justice for their own personal well-being, their own personal wealth, their own personal uh, enrichment. Uh, these people that kind of pervert the laws and decrees and, and pervert the throne, a corrupt throne, verse, verse 21 says, or verse 20 says, um, these people will no longer be as God will establish his throne through the Messiah, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of mercy, and more importantly, a kingdom of justice. And so what we find through a lot of these Psalms that call for this revenge, that call for this vengeance, that call for this justice, what they really are is they're Psalms asking for the Messiah to come. They're really Psalms that ask for God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so what we find through Psalms 94 for us is this hope and this expectation of something so much better to come. And I've said this numerous times because this really is what the Psalms are about. If you read most of the Psalms, you'll find that the Psalms really are about the Messiah, this hope to come. And so our hope is that even though uh, we might find anxiety in our world today, even though we might find fear in our world today, even though it seems like the, the wicked are prospering, even though it seems like corrupt organizations and governments and systems are continuing to get away with all of these um, wicked things and the perversion of injustice, what Psalms 94 teaches us is to hope in God, to hope in our fortress and our rock, knowing that eventually, whether it's in our lifetime or not, that eventually the Messiah will come 
Jesus will come a second time, will come again as we find out through the New Testament, and will eventually set up his throne, his kingdom, and, and, and do away with all of this perversion of justice, do away with wickedness and sin and rebellion, do away with sorrow and, and death, and eventually establish a kingdom that reigns forever where we might find peace and joy and goodness for the rest of eternity. So I pray that as you read Psalm 94, uh, that we would see this, that we would see the Messiah. They would see a God who does not forsake his inheritance, who does not reject his people, but who promises that one day Jesus will return so that we might find peace and joy and no longer have fear and no longer worry about the wicked, but instead to live in the presence of God Almighty and know that we have found our peace in him. Uh, so let's just pray and let's close Psalm 94 as... as um, as we rejoice in the Messiah. God, we thank you so much for the amazing promises that we find through the Psalms. Uh, we often think that these prophetic promises are found just in, in the writings of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. But as we read through the Psalms, we find something beautiful. We find these prophetic promises of the hope of the Messiah, the hope of a, of a kingdom to come, the hope of a Jesus who would set all things right who would wipe away all our tears, who would uh, destroy corruption, destroy wickedness, destroy sin, and establish a kingdom that is just and good and merciful. And so, God, we look forward to these times. Even though we might feel fear and anxiety, we just pray that your consolation would give us joy, that you would restore our spirits, renew our hearts, help us to trust in you, and help us, more importantly, to focus on the future, to focus on the hope of the Messiah to come, of the Jesus to come, that will one day do away with this world of sin and bring us into his kingdom, the new Jerusalem, bring us into heaven, bring us into this promise of eternity with him. So we're thankful so much for the hope of the Messiah, the hope of Jesus. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us uh, here for Psalm 94. Uh, join us again tomorrow at 12 as we read Psalm 95. Psalm 95 is a psalm we'll be reading tomorrow at 12 here on Facebook Live. Uh, as always, feel free to leave comments uh, below. So if you, if you found something beautiful in Psalm 94, maybe uh, your hope, maybe your take on it, maybe uh, something that you found interesting as you read through Psalm 94, uh, please feel free to leave in the comments below. If you have needs, if you have prayer requests, any way that we could connect with you or help you, support you, we'd love to hear from you. So feel, feel free to either private message me or uh, leave it in the comments below as well. We'd love to be praying for you and about you, and we'd love to connect with you and support you in any way we can. Uh, we just want to encourage you to join us tomorrow as we read Psalm 94 at 12 p.m. here on Facebook Live. And as always, just take care and we play, pray for God's richest blessings upon your life and the rest of your afternoon. Amen.